0: Well, that was a great show, guys. And, uh, oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Hoops HD, everybody. It is May 25th, uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend. And we're doing a little, uh, special podcast here. I'm your host, Chad Sherwood. Got the puppet, David Griggs, <laughs> off to my side. And we have a very special guest here from bracketeer.org. Uh, Rocco Miller. <laughs> yeah. So okay. this is kind of it. Inter- <laughs> Rocco is our guest, I, I think. I, I don't know
1: if you're a guest or a panelist, Rocco. We, we kind of talked about this. What we decided is that you are a guest, but since you're also a regular panelist, we don't have to be nice to you.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that summary. That, that's yeah. All right. a right there. Yeah.
0: So- but we are in late May right now. If you're looking for college sports, it's college baseball right now. But in terms of the college basketball world, uh, really, I think over the last month or so, what the two things that, that most of us have been following, one is the transfers and the transfer portal and people committing to new schools, then decommitting them, then committing to the next school, then decommitting from that one. And uh, I don't even know that you could follow that. The other thing yeah. that's been going on, though, is teams announcing upcoming, upcoming opponents for next season and all the scheduling. And that's the half that we really want to focus in because although sometimes that stuff even gets canceled, a lot less than, than kids uncommitting <laughs> yeah. from their uh from the school they're transferring to, I think. And if you follow him on Twitter, uh Rocco, I'll give you a second here. You can tell when your Twitter handle um what is it by the way? Rocco Miller eight. Rocco Miller eight. Follow him at Rocco Miller eight. Uh but uh He's been announcing and I think actually scheduling most of the games that, that, that are out there. Uh, I think there's five or six multi-team events that he personally brought every single team into. Uh, <laughs> Greg, am I correct? <laughs> I think so. So uh, I was
1: trying, it, it, this, this is the truth, uh, in, yeah. in working with some D1 coaches that are actually crazy enough to, to consult with a puppet, I was trying to tell, I, I actually asked you, Rocco, what title would you give yourself so I can sort of explain what you are. I guess that's our first question to you. What title? What is your title when it comes yeah, to so this? It's, you know. it's a
2: it's it's something I struggle with a little bit myself. But I think um you know I try to start with just college hoops analysts, bracketologist uh, because I think the reason I got involved in scheduling from the beginning, you know, f- five, six, seven years ago was basically being passionate about teams that are going to be either on the bubble, near the bubble, have hope and get them playing more games against each other, particularly if they are not in a power conference. And uh, obviously we know the math. We talk about it all year long during the season as panelists. And I would say, you know, it, the math would bear out for the for the handful of teams that actually break through and get in at large and are not in a power conference. Uh, a lot of times that's due to the fact they they went out and found other teams like them and they were the beneficiary of winning a bunch of those games. It's not very often you get like a Murray State or even a, FAU last year where they just blow through their schedule and win 30 games and they get in that way. You know, every once in a while we get lucky as college basketball fans and lovers of the game to get those types of stories. Uh, but anybody else, you know, if you look at St. Mary's last year, in the last two years, they've gotten a five seed in both years. That's not an accident. They're going out and Randy Bennett after years and years of a couple of years getting really heartbroken uh, on selection Sunday, learned his lesson and it's a big part of the model uh to bring in really good teams solid teams as home games not to use them as an example but i think they are uh the bar right now for mid-major basketball um you, you look last year they had north texas hofstra new mexico um oral roberts a lot of the best teams from their leagues come here and play them at home and then they played a lot of good teams on neutral courts as well even going out to texas and playing houston the number one team in the net so um I think they're, the, the what I'm seeing for next year is there's more schools saying that say hey let's do that, and we also saw a really cool announcement in my opinion um, with Field of 68. They helped uh, Florida Atlantic, Liberty, and Charleston come together in what they're calling uh, their their tip off event, but it's actually it started December. Uh, but the cool thing is is they signed a three year deal where they're they're all going to do a weekend together. Everybody plays, everybody gets two quality games out of it, and then rotates year over year who plays at home. So they're calling that a pod. Uh, You can you can name it a million things. But but in general, uh, to answer long winded answer, I kind of start to introduce myself as a schedule coordinator or consultant uh, just based on the fact that I'm really not trying to tell teams who to play or where to play. But I am giving like recommendations on uh, how they should look at their whole schedule and, and then attack it.
0: Yeah, I guess
1: it's two all things. that on your business card. Holy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but,
2: yeah, especially the Florida Atlantic part. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I guess I guess two things. First of all, when you hear about like, well, obviously we know a Florida Atlantic did last year, but keep about names like Florida Atlantic and and Charleston and Liberty. We're not talking about power conference teams or even a power conference team being involved here. But but what I think we're seeing here is these teams finally learning that when the top teams from these conferences play each other that does just as much for your resume as going out and playing a game against the Dukes and Carolinas, especially because they're games you have a shot at winning.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The hard thing, the hard thing about that is the projection game that you have to play with scheduling. You know, like we might think right now, um, Liberty or Charleston are top 60 teams, but you know, if they have a bad year, they could land in the hundreds. And that goes from like a quad one to a quad three pretty quick. Um, So their ceilings and floors are a little different. That's where you do have the benefit of power basketball, um, because a lot of those rosters, you you could you could have like that Penn State team a few years ago that only won 12 games, but they were still top 40 net the whole time. And it was a quad one for all those big 10 teams. Um, It's a little tougher to find those in mid-major ball. I don't know if they exist, actually. Um, But besides that, you're right. Like the whole strategy and the thought process is that, you know, if we get no's from every single power six, then let's get. The best of the best, let's get the Furmans, the Oral is the South Dakota States, Uh, you know, uh, Grand Canyon. Those are the types of teams I want them, like, you know, if we have to, let's do a Zoom call and figure out who's got the same dates and get you guys playing each other.
1: Yeah, th- I could beat this drum all day long, Rocco, about, and we'll get into a lot of this. I don't know if you can answer this or not. If you can't, then don't. Seriously. But can you talk about maybe some of the programs you have helped and some of the games you've helped them schedule or is that sort of, you, you know, you promise to stay in the shadows for that?
2: No, that's fine. I, I think it's it really kind of gave me hope uh, during COVID <laughs> <laughs> because we had so many cancellations. Right. And we were all just sitting around home, especially that 2020 20 to 21 season and the, the tournament in the bubble. Um, there was a Sunday night where um, both Western Kentucky and Houston had their opponents canceled for Tuesday. And I just happened to know one of the people that that works for WKU. And um, we we just happened to be talking that night. And I was like, hey, Houston's opponent is out. Let's just see if we can get him to play. And, and throughout that year, this was like in early February. Um, throughout that year, I had a ton of those. And I was just praying like one of them would hit. I was probably like one for 20 or 0 for 20 going into that. Um, but you just keep trying and maybe if it works, they can play each other. Obviously, the turnaround and the coordination and the contracts that takes time. At, and if you're at like, a, you know, here in California, if you're at a UC school, it's almost like forget it. Like it's just way too much red tape. But um, those two particular schools that year, uh, not only did they agree to play, but the game got put on ESPN, two because Houston was a top five team. Western Kentucky had Charles Bassey. It was a, a kind of a fringe bubble team. So for them, it went from we have no more opportunities left to, oh, my God, we have a chance to play at a top five team. Granted, it's 48 hours notice, but it's an opportunity. And as we know, once you hit February, you're pretty much out of opportunities when you're in a league like Conference USA most years. Um, so for me to see that not only come together, but also turn on my own TV and see the game, I was like, OK, I can act if I just meet the right people at the right places, we can do way more with this. And um, so I started really putting some effort into it once I saw kind of one good one like that come together. And then, you know, over the last three or four years, um, I've really gotten involved in the neutral court game, uh, not game, but like the, the neutral court scene. I guess you could say there's a handful of people, promoters, et cetera. And, it, you know, there's arenas all over the country um and that world gets pretty small after a while after a lot of phone calls uh and you know i have an idea of what games make sense i can help them like what what teams would help them actually bring the money in that they need and also give college basketball the game that we all want to watch so it's just kind of been a cool niche for me because i can give them all these different perspectives that when they're in the day-to-day business or the coaches in the day-to-day scheduling might not see and kind of just be that third voice wow so
1: like, you know, at Hoops HD, if you followed it for a while, which I know you have, and presumably the people watching this have too, we, we sort of have three different categories. You have the the Power Five slash Big East, you have the four, or is it three now, other multi-bid leagues, and then you have sort of the under-the-radars, and that, that's just a general assessment. I understand that Gonzaga and Houston and, and programs like that might have the same cloud as Power, but... None of those, like, if you look at the three different categories, they tend to schedule differently. You don't see many mid to low tier under the radar schools playing 20 home games a year. So I I don't know. Can you talk about that at all? Is that important? Does that ever come in to play with you? What kind of schedule a certain team wants to play?
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean like there's so many elements to it. Like, um, so for so many schools, uh, no matter how good or bad they're going to be, the financial element is just something out of their control. Um, so you know, if you if you're a school like in the Southland or even even like middle of the whack or or even now Conference USA with so much movement, um, you might need to go find five or six games that bring in the money, and that's like your top priority. And there's nothing you can do about that. That comes straight from the athletic director. Uh, that you know, and if you're going to go get the money, then from there, all you can really do is like, okay, instead of going and playing Duke, North Carolina, or, or Kentucky. How about maybe I try to get, like, Oregon yeah. State or, or Cal or, you know, somebody that's been bad. Um, Louisville. Maybe, <laughs> I actually had a coach – this is not a joke. I had a coach ask me if they could play Louisville twice in the same year and they would allow – and I was like, that was pretty funny. But There's no anyway, rule against that, by the There isn't. They could. Yeah. Louisville agreed. So, anyway, yeah. So, they've got to take care of their budget and their finances. And that actually will limit teams on – Uh, What they can do, and then and then if you're ever putting together a home and home series, um, you know what I've learned is you have to be able to match budgets. So it doesn't really make sense for, you know, Boise State. They're uh, they're not a power school, but they have a big budget because they're football, and most Mountain West teams are up there too. It wouldn't make sense for Boise State to go do a series home and home with like Southern Utah. They just don't match, Um, even though Southern Utah was in the whack and had a good top 100 rating. That just wouldn't happen. It would be Boise State. Buys the game they play it at home, um, so schools that have high end football they they tend to have bigger budgets, and then some of it you can just kind of once you get a lay of the land and how each league tears out it starts to make a lot more sense, um and, and you know if you're at the bottom of Division One uh, as we've seen forever like Texas Southern's notorious for this uh, you're just going to go collect as many checks as you can sometimes you have to do that to fund the program so that's kind of where it starts and stops with. A lot of different schools um, for the middle of the pack schools, you know, they'll do like a handful. And I think Griggs, this is what you were alluding to where uh, maybe you got a little bit of money and we'll bring in a couple bad teams and buy those for whatever we, we can afford. And then we're going to go get some big checks from wherever we can find them from the top of the sport. Um, those teams are t- tough for me to uh, get excited about because they really just, their, their hand is forced um, and, and there's not a lot of strategy. Um, unless they're just, you know, getting Louisville or Oregon State. But eh, besides that, there's, like, not much you can do with them. The teams I really like to work with are the ones that have a little bit of money to do what they need to do with it, but then they're also, like, very basketball-focused. So, uh, like, here in the WCC or out in the Atlantic 10 or even, like, the Metro Atlantic, um, it's a lot of smaller Catholic schools, but basketball is the number one. And I I love that because once they know they have a good roster, we can really get after it and make sure – Teams are gonna schedule each other.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point that what we're really you're really talking about here is not the teams that are in leagues that are just gonna be a one bid league almost almost as a lock, like the SWAC, yeah. the NEAC, the Northeast Conference. Conferences we love, <laughs> but but you know, <laughs> you know those teams need the money and, and but we're also not talking about power conferences. We're talking about those teams that, hey, you've got a shot at being one of those mid majors that's on the bubble,
2: the Florida Atlantics, the the yeah. you know, the Murray States, the teams like that hundred percent. Yep. That's, that's spot on. And, you know, even if there is a little bit of upside, I still want them to, you know, go play a couple big games and then maybe, maybe if they win a one or two, that's the team we talk about on under the radar going into January. You never know. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And then there's a whole other element of scheduling uh, that, that's a little bit newer t- to me uh, where, you know, I, 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 over, over the years, a really good mid-major coach, of course, will go up to a power league. There's a lot of those now. Um, so now I'm involved with trying to pair power teams. And um, that's actually kind of fun just from the standpoint of they really they really don't need help to get introduced to each other. I think everybody knows each other at that level, but it's more about the analytics of it, what, you know, they, they actually, like, some of these schools value my opinion on their roster and how good the players are. And, you know, are, are they top 20? Are they top 50? Are they top 70? Like, where do they fall? Um, and they're really trying to get everybody's second opinion, and you know, if they think of me, that that makes me honored. So,
0: and, and I think we're starting to see more of that, especially conferences like I'm. I, I'm trying to think here. I it was a Fresno State that just announced a road game at a
2: MAC team coming up this season. Things like that. That yeah. that's a funny one. That's pretty yeah. unique because yeah. um, Fresno is going to host Kent State in football, and okay. the AD made a deal like if you guys come out and play this game in Fresno, we'll send our basketball team out there. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you don't, that's actually, it's funny you brought that up. That's very rare. And now, now it's out there. Now everybody knows how that game came together. Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) Speaking of Louisville, don't ask me how I know this. Like in the (laughs) 1980s, they would sign deals like that to beef up their basketball schedule. They would essentially, uh, okay, this is a PG 13 show. They would whore out their football program, (laughs) uh, sending them on the road to play whoever so they could get a good, Home and home basketball series. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see that that coming back into it. Uh, well,
2: uh, we have got to work that rare, but, some more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rare, but I'll tell you a school that's done it over the years, and this is in all past tense at this point. Um, FIU, uh, who's yeah. actually yeah. they they had three home games last year because of, uh, and I think this is actually kind of smart. I'm surprised more team I haven't seen more teams do it. They, they they get like their FCS football game where most schools their size will schedule at least one. So I think if you look at last year's schedule, they played both Bryant and Maine who have FCS football programs. And I think the AD got a discount by scheduling both football <laughs> and basketball together where they played both in each sport um, for, a cheap, for a discount.
1: That is I, – yeah, I, I kind of – that's interesting because – well, while football and basketball have nothing in common other than that they were our revenue sports, that's yeah. where the similarities stop. Uh, nothing about them is the same. Basketball actually has more in common with rifle than it does with football as far as roster size, schedule length, and things like that. But it is a revenue sport, and I am a little surprised that because they both are revenue sports that you don't see, for lack of a better term, package deals. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe we got to start throwing a few other sports. You know, maybe we get some really good games if we throw in, like, you know, probably play a women's game and a softball game and maybe (laughs) some bowling. (laughs) And, uh, yeah.
2: Well, Um, with the the LA schools going east all the time, they're going to have to start doing stuff like that. Right. Yeah. They're going to be out there all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Rock, as you know, uh, we have a very, we have a huge soft spot here at Hoops HD for the under the radar schools. Um, one of the things that's most maddening is teams that you know are good that that can't seem to get good games i think there are some cases where teams just don't aren't trying hard enough but there are certainly cases where that where the, where they're trying everything uh I want to say it was about five or six years ago during when Stephen F. Austin was in the Southland and had a really high-caliber program winning 24, 25 games a year. I want to say they went to the round of 32 at least once, maybe more than once. They they had a win at Duke. They had a win at Baylor. They posted an ad on Basketball Travelers that, that I swear read. I'm not going to get the exact quote right, but the gist of it was, we will go anywhere and play any Power 5 team for no money. And they still couldn't get a game. Um, yeah. How would you have, – have you run into that? Is it hard to help the good under-the-radar schools get games against anyone?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely been a big part of the history here. Um, I haven't seen that for this coming year, but I think um, that that comes up a lot of years. I think last year's big thing I saw was Houston, uh, the, the game that St. Mary's ended up playing uh they called everybody in the top 100 and it was a no for like 3 months and i it took st mary's till about july and i think they were surprised it was still available yeah. um and then they molded over for so long and they finally did it and it paid off i mean st mary's loses the game by 5 and with the way the net works i think that did just as much for their net as any of their wins honestly um so i think i think a lot of teams hopefully regret not taking that game cuz i think literally <laughs> any of- any of the top 100 could have had it. Um, they just wanted to play somebody decent. That's all Houston wanted. Uh, and I think I think now it is hard for uh, – if you're projected to be – there are certain sweet spots. So if you're projected to be upwards of, like, top 50, but maybe you're, like, 75, 80, but you're in a league uh, – and there's a team in the Big West right now that comes to mind, and they have a really difficult time getting anybody to play them because they've got really good starters. Uh, but You know, if they lose six or seven Big West games, which they've done before, because that's a good league. Yeah, um, they've they've it's been proven their net can fall from like 80 to 140. And then it goes from a a good game to a a too risky of a game to take on. And that's that's been unfortunate for that particular school. There's a couple of schools like that in that range. That's kind of where the sweet spot is today. Um, The cool thing is, if you're as good as Florida Atlantic was last year, like their entire situation flipped where now the majority of the, the – it's it's kind of like bracketology in a way where it's groupthink, and the, all the schedulers, once they get an impression on a team, they all start to agree. Um, they all think Florida Atlantic's so good that a lot of teams want to play them. They don't think there's much risk. Plus, they're going to a better league.
0: Well, well, um, Rock, I'll just say there, but is part of that, though, also the idea of, hey, we're, we can sell out a Florida Atlantic game. This was a team that was in the Final Four last
2: year. True. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a part of it, but I, I think coaches themselves don't care. They just want to win. Or they wanna if they're gonna lose, they want it to be, you know, not risky. So uh I I, I don't think coaches care that much about the that part of it. Um, well, well
0: well maybe the other half though is is also a chance this will be a national TV game, which will yeah. help our recruiting. So yeah. and I which is something coaches would, are gonna want, aren't they?
2: Yeah, like if you're Liber- if you're Richie McKay at liberty, you would mm-hmm. love that. Like that's exactly what your thought process would be. But if you're like Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech, and you're in your first year. You no way in hell do you want Florida Atlantic coming in there (laughs) and beating you. (laughs) You know that you got to build a good first impression. All All the Power Five jobs, um, quite frankly, guys, is like so much pressure, and everybody's freaked out about getting fired. Guys can get fired in one year. Louisville's coach almost got fired after one year. So it's just like it sucks because it's just pastry card city for those guys, and you can't really blame them. Like if you were the person in that situation you want to write out your contract as long as you can and uh so it really affects the games they go with um even though they probably in their heart of hearts want to play better games
1: that's an interesting point about uh, you, you know the power schools and uh, you know playing at home it's more winnable it, 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 as you say like especially if there's language in their contracts that that address how many games you win and what your bonuses are i, I don't knows which schools have that and which don't but i do know that those exist uh the other thing is the contracts that the conferences have with the networks uh you have to play so many at home and in some cases if it's an off-campus arena you might i want to say that there's schools that they haven't written another contract with the building that they play in that they're going to play either 18 or 19 or 20 however many it is games there so like, yeah. if you think about it, if you have a contract to where you're, you're you're obligated to play 20 games in a facility, you're talking about two home exhibition games and as many out of conference buy games as you can get just to meet that demand or meet that contractual obligation.
2: Right. There are certain places where you're just dealt with that, and then there's also uh, I hate to say it, I love T.J. Otzelberger. Like I love him. Like he used to coach Washington, and he's a really good guy. But the Iowa State model, as a bracketologist and analyst, like it irks me uh, because yeah. they've had the same formula for two straight years. Of course, two years ago, they went perfect in their non-league um, with a two-game event mixed in and only maybe one other big game with the Big East Big 12 Challenge. Happened to win those three, and then it was all you know very easy, uh, what we call guarantee games at home. And, uh, of course, they got rewarded for that that year. Then last year, they basically did the exact same model this year they're doing the exact same model. And now I'm noticing other teams start to pick up on what's called like the Iowa State model just because they're getting rewarded for it. And I think that's where the net needs some tweaking because uh, I think a lot of the strength of schedule has been buried by the the blow you out uh, metrics. Like I, I feel like the blowing teams out, even if they're bad, tends to weight higher than just playing a hard game and losing close. And that's unfortunate. I think that needs to be
0: yeah. And Rocco, do you really think that that is because of the blow you out thing or is it because of, hey, we're talking about a team that was playing in the Big 12, which was one of the, the mean, last several years has just been so unbelievably incredible top to bottom, which may make it water down
2: some this year with 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 going out to more teams. But uh, yes. Yeah, no, I think, Chad, that's a good point. I, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Big 12. I think we agree almost every year that that's the best league, especially with 10 teams. Um, and they've, they've proved themselves in the league at least enough. I think they went nine and nine both years, the last two, and they were so comfortably in. It's just, uh, it's just a little unfortunate because that's, you know, at the end of the year, that's all the data we have to go off of besides maybe a couple games in there in their uh tournament that they do around thanksgiving so
1: right well they've got that they've got the iowa game i want to say they played a big east team like
2: the the Big East challenge yep last year it ended up being st john's but 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 when you (laughs) have okay another bye game excuse me me. (laughs) i
0: I guess my point was that when you have 18 regular 18 conference games that are all you know top 100 games practically Uh, yeah. As opposed to you playing in the Big East, where you get to play Georgetown twice each season, <laughs> you play, <it>, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> know, and, and DePaul twice each season, so you always was, was have some bye games in conference in some of these other leagues, right? It, to kind exactly. of, you know, I mean, not to come,
1: not to attack you here <laughs> at all, Rago, but it, it's like, well, part of the Iowa State model <laughs> is playing in the Big Twelve. Yeah, if you join <laughs> yes. the Big Twelve, <laughs> <laughs> that's going yeah, to help your
2: step. metrics. <laughs> and four, te- four teams took that advice, Greg. They yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that's fine. And I mean, I'm just a I'm just a lover of non-conference games. I'm probably oh, a yeah. di- different than most, but like, I would love it if they would only play 14 league games and play 17 non-league games. Uh, personally, just so we could get more data.
1: Obviously, yeah, that would
2: help man. mid-majors more, but it's never going to happen.
1: Um, to keep. How st- have you come across schools that were really stubborn, Rocco, about games they <laughs> wanted to play, didn't want to play, refused to play. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. OK. Yeah.
2: Literally, yeah. Uh, there's 363 teams. All 363 are stubborn. To okay. a certain degree. <laughs> there's nobody that's not stubborn. Um, you know, everybody it, there, there'll be there'll be games where I think it's like the perfect matchup that, you know, if I talk I talk to a team at the start of the process, I come back a week or two later. I've got the perfect team for them. This is a no brainer the other teams already. in. I've already kind of said, hey, I think I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do that they'll come back and they'll, they'll be like the craziest reason you've ever heard like so and so's brother was related to their ad and it would just be too close to home like we can't play that team i ha- i had one this morning actually um in this a team in the socon I, I won't name a name but like they were they were saying that their ad got uh was a head coach 20 years ago and he got blown out by that school by 30 and he will never play them again and this was like 20 seasons ago and I'm like, what does that have to do with next year? Nothing. He's not even the coach anymore. Um, so I've I've heard it all in like uh, maybe I haven't heard it all, but I've heard a lot of different paranoia uh, reasons. You know, most most of the, the more common ones are like uh, they they picked up so and so in the portal. I think that's too risky. Um, and I'm like, OK. <laughs> So nothing, nothing really surprises me on that front, but everybody's paranoid for sure. Uh,
0: are you getting any feedback of hey, they took one of our players out of the portal?
2: Uh, you know so that, so one, I, that one. That yeah. one. So when I catch that, I kind of mm. know it's like ninety percent they're not going to play, right? Um, unless it was somehow contracted early, but yeah, usually if it's a if it's a portal move from this year going into next year, they're not going to play each other. That's almost a given. So yeah, and then the other thing is um, there's this whole. Yeah. Well, we, we're going to so many on-campus multi-team events, guys. It's like insane. There was a lot last year, but there's going to be, I don't know, right now I'm looking at nearly 40 of them on, on this chart I have. I don't yeah. know how many of them will actually happen because because now you only need three teams and you do a 2 right. gamer and you're done. Um, and, uh, and, and by not, the
1: way, that, that rule is not changing. There was some speculation. They put it in place for COVID. It is remaining intact. A multi team like event can be three teams and as long as is it five days that you have that you have to play the two games. Well, but but if, if you play you the two be, games, you
0: could have schedule thirty
2: one. You don't even have to play yeah. three games
0: to get thirty one yeah. on the season. Right. Yeah. That's...
2: I, I like the thirty one thing. I think that's good. I, I wish there was something more more they could do on some of the flexibility because – if you look at like Kentucky's last year or Duke's coming up this year, they're they're spreading that thing across like 10 days. Um I think uh, if I it's mean, if it's if it's
1: if it's a 3 game event, you have 10 days. If it's 2, yeah. you have 5. And when exactly. I say 3 games uh Rocco, I mean each team the the rules are each team has to play the same number of games that was not the rule before COVID. You saw like some of these yeah. like where some teams played a fourth game others didn't. Uh now everybody has to play the same number of games and it can be two, three, or four, and it's five days, ten days, and I want to say 12. You know this better than I do. You're the scheduling guy. Is that correct?
2: No, that sounds absolutely right. I was trying to figure out uh, the the Duke and Kentucky stuff, and Rutgers does it too. Uh, for Chad's sake. But uh, uh, I, yeah. They,
0: so, but but but, but oh, there's those are basically cupcake events and then you find a way to let right. the cupcakes play. Right, general, yeah, so That's yeah. exactly
2: what you do. But, yeah, But yeah. nowadays, we've got teams like Air Force and East Carolina and High Point and Northern Kentucky and blah, 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 all hosting their own, like all sizes and shapes of schools <laughs> from yeah. from every level of the sport. And the competition is trying to get like the Miac and SWAC schools to go there so they can get a win. And now like, you know, I'm trying to help put teams different places, and it all starts with that because once your event is settled, you can, settle, you can then start to schedule around it. So it really is your foundation for your non conference. And um, the really funny thing well, it's funny on the saying it out loud, it gets annoying, honestly, on a daily basis. But the funny thing is, is all the poker that goes on with the teams they have to the point where they won't even tell me the teams. Um, and I'm <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So the paranoia is at like an all time high. Um, and I've only been done it a handful of years. And, um, and so, yeah, like, you know, some, it pays off for some people. Uh, there's a, there's a big South school hosting an event. I won't name names, but they've got three pretty lousy teams and they're extremely happy about it. And they somehow pulled the whole thing off without any other team, knowing who was in it.
0: I, I, I don't know. I would think one one of my requirements I would enjoy your event is, well, who are the other two teams I gotta play, you know?
2: Okay. Yeah or well, at least give me a list of ten teams. I, I would teams never that you're sign up at. without knowing, but somehow yeah. this this particular school pulled it off and it was like uh, okay. one of the more amazing things I've seen in scheduling.
1: Yeah. Um we've um,
2: talked Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it.
1: Uh, we we've kind of touched on this a little bit uh i am going to get on a very short soapbox and, and then get off of it so we can discuss it one of the things that that grinds my nerves as a fan is when and you see it all across the sport you mentioned all 363 schools are stubborn is teams that avoid other teams um People that say that they love college basketball because it's all about the game could not be more wrong. I think it's less about the game than any other sport in the world. I I know neither of you are soccer people, but like in Europe, for instance, if during world cup qualifying, the big guy, you have to go to Bosnia and Bulgaria and Iceland and Montenegro. And some of those are really, really hostile environments. And if it were all about the game, Georgetown and Maryland would play Georgetown yeah. and GW would play Wichita state and Kansas would play Kansas and Missouri never would have stopped playing. A lot of the realignment we've seen would not have happened uh, all across Xavier and Dayton would play like, like, you know, the Okoye cup or whatever the hell it is out in Utah <laughs> would have never been discontinued. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think people in college basketball, you, you have your diehard fans, which are us, You have your casual fans, which are the big fans that follow the game, but then the biggest group out of that, probably 70% of it, is the bandwagon fans, and those are the ones that get excited for NCAA tournament and top 25 opponents and big games, and a lot of these would be very intriguing games that the bandwagon fans would jump on and watch and have interested in aren't playing. You can't tell me that Texas and Houston should not play regularly. That's asinine to me. No, I'm off my soapbox. I don't know where we go from here, but uh, I wanted to share that (laughs) thought and get your thoughts Yeah, well, I think that
2: just goes to the the need, and, you know, uh, Jeff Goodman, for example, has been very vocal about this over the years, the need for some sort of scheduling governance across the sport where it would just be very uh, simple to say, okay, these specific rivalries need to happen. Um, We need to make it a little bit more equitable for uh, teams to access the tournament versus, you know, making it almost impossible for a team from a certain league to get in at-large or have to be near perfect. Um, Create more opportunities in early February where maybe you can get two non-league games, uh, blending both bracket busters but also incorporating power conference teams. And um, without that governance, you know, everybody – it's the Wild West in scheduling. There's no other sport – I mean, college football, yeah, you can do this for three or four games 10 years in advance, but it's not like this where you have 11 to 13 games every year to go get. If you're in the West Coast Conference, you're doing 15 of these. um, And it's very, very difficult to get that many agreements uh, with the games you actually want. Um, And so if there was more structure, even if we did, you know, I, I heard some great ideas about outside of doing the Thanksgiving tournament, do another tournament in December where everybody, yeah. everybody goes three or four to a weekend, go to the same destination and we play great games. Um, or even if it's just like down in South Carolina and we, we take like Furman Charleston and, you know, a few teams like that and, and put a, put a little pod together. Um, that would, that would help everybody. Um, yeah, so, would. yeah. So just, just stuff like that um, where, where you have like Iowa this year, they're going to play their, Big event in uh, – not their big event, but they they do a game in Des Moines. They try to do a game in Des Moines every year. They're playing Florida a and there. Like, even if you were a diehard Iowa fan, would you even want to buy a ticket to that? You like, wouldn't. You wouldn't. And i you looking at the diehard, yeah. Yeah, they used to – to your point, they used to use that arena every year for a doubleheader with Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and Drake, which yeah. is amazing for the whole region. Uh, and they got rid of it so Iowa could play Florida a and and Iowa State could play – Southeast Louisiana, stuff like that.
1: In yeah, you mentioned the, I mean, not the Big Four in New York, but the Big Four in Iowa. That was an annual event. It was sold it was out, and it was big. And it was Iowa, Iowa State, Drake, in Northern Iowa. And some of those games were great games.
0: And we um, saw the same thing: the Crossroads Classic at in Indiana. That now that's gone. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's all they're all falling apart, which is a shame. Yeah, even the I, big I really five, think it, even the big yeah.
2: five they just turned it into a tournament so now Villanova's yeah. only got to play three games instead of four yeah I, I, that, I just that, that was all that was i mean let's be honest that was all villanova
1: it was just, because you know clearly yeah. the big five has been holding villanova back they just haven't been <laughs> able to succeed on a massive level because of the <laughs>
2: Well, they—I mean—they positioned it like they're going to use that extra game to go play another big-time opponent, but you know they're just going to play like Mount Saint Marys or
1: something, right? Yeah, and Uh, I don't want—they're on
2: on, the phone with Lemoyne right now, in fact. So (laughs) I
1: I don't want to pick on Nova too much. I I think uh,
2: I—no, I—I respect the heck out of Nova. Yeah, I I mean, but it's just you know that's just not against them. Teams all over the country have done that. And they... Yeah,
1: because in the early days of Jay Wright, when the Big Five sort of went into another format to where it wasn't a true round robin, wasn't he instrumental in getting it back to a full round robin? And then now Jay Wright's gone, yeah. and it's not a full round robin anymore.
2: <laughs> there you
1: go. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and clearly that held Jay Wright back. I mean, the, the guy just never accomplished what he would have had he not been stuck playing those regional opponents that drag you down. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so Rocco, if there is anyone out there right now that 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 is affiliated with any schools that is interested in getting an opponent, they haven't reached out to you yet, uh, so they reach out to you on Twitter or, or, yeah, or Twitter through your website?
2: Twitter is probably the best. Yeah, I have a contact us page on brackets here.org. Feel free to use that. Um, also, just for any casual basketball person, or maybe if you're a coach watching with a schedule that's already done somehow, um, I, I do have non-conference schedule pages coming out in the next few weeks couple of them are already done i just there's some games in there that i don't think uh some teams want me to put out so i'm holding off till i get the green light but um excited to get those out and it's a it's uh hopefully a great resource for everybody so if there's a couple games to get at the end we can figure out who has the right dates
0: awesome well i guess on that note uh Griggs, let's shift something more
1: uh, I, I don't think so. I'll kind of get to it okay. in my final thought if I do.
0: All right. Well, Rocco, let me let me let you have the floor here for any other thoughts or anything other comments you want to make about
2: anything. Okay. <laughs> final uh, thought. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I shared all my schedule thoughts. I think that, that covered it hopefully pretty well. But um, I would say I am pretty excited about, uh, I guess, the American – um, I was trying to call out a good conference and gosh this is just too easy. But like I do like obviously Florida Atlantic and Memphis will be very strong again, but I think um I don't think UAB is getting discussed enough. I, I think they got 3 of the top 10 JUCO players in the country and they've totally reloaded. I think they have 3 more Power 6 guys transferring quote unquote down to UAB. Um they're going to be a machine. Yeah, I also they are. Put- I got to visit North Texas uh, earlier this month for a day. That was really cool with their new staff. uh, Ross has been there, of course, but they got a few new assistants. And um, I've just heard nothing but amazing things about Ross Hodge. I think they keep their train rolling around the same level. Um, And I just think there's um, really good depth. I like what Wichita did to get Paul Mills. And I think they're building something good again. And I, I, I think I have more American thoughts, but it's with all the scheduling stuff, my my analysis gets scrambled. I'm looking forward to like August, September and really starting to break down the teams because I just haven't had uh, that type of perspective. yet. All right.
0: Well, um, I know, Griggs, you want to finish the show off here for the for <laughs> our for our May podcast? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I- I, I'm gonna kind of engage Rocco again here a okay. little bit. Uh, kind sure. of getting back to what I said earlier about bandwagon fans, if your wife or girlfriend's college roommate is not a huge college basketball fan, I, I encourage you to ask yourself when you're putting your schedule together, what is the kind of game she would actually want to see? And then working to Ooh. schedule a few of those. Uh I'm to kind
2: steal, of steal that. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> to kind of cater to the bandwagon fans that are the majority of people out there. Um, and both of you are bracketologists. I'm sort of one, but I don't claim to be a good one. I think Chad is decent and Rocco is outstanding. If Kentucky were to go to Murray and lose, or Kansas were to go to Wichita and lose, or Arizona were to go to Northern and lose, and, uh, y- you know, this would not crash their season into a mountain. Would it? It would be – Big no. news, it would be embarrassing for a day, but we've seen Virginia play those types of games, not win them, and not only do very well, but win it all.
2: Yeah, Roy, Roy Williams at Carolina was doing it almost every year, um, yeah. you know, when they opened up the lawford Arena, when they opened up the Elon Arena, when they opened, you know, he he was doing a great job with that, uh, they you played know. that group. Greensboro once they've they played kind of everybody in that region under Roy and I really respected him for that yeah and they never had any issue with their seed or anything yeah and, and they
1: didn't win them all they went to they went to I want to say was was it Northern Iowa beat them one uh, year
2: yeah they lost at Northern Iowa and I think way lost back at UAP
1: went on to the national championship game that year
2: yeah and I think they did they lose at Charleston once like way back when I uh, maybe they may have yeah yeah but I mean you know so sometimes they go out and blow those teams out and then they're even scarier than you thought so it can right. go both ways right so and and it would be so good for the sport
1: if you had yes. games of intrigue all year long instead of these pastry cart like if we had the big four back in Iowa i i think that would engage the people of that area a lot more if utah were to bring back the whatever i that random le- sequence of letters cup uh, the the Utah, old ochre bucket, come on. Yeah, the old Coker. <laughs> Utah, who doesn't even open their upper deck really until uh, the upper level until conference play starts, unless it's BYU, would suddenly be opening their upper level more often. I, I think you need for the sport to engage the bandwagon fans all season long more than you do instead of it being just sort of the hardcore and casual fans all the way up until March Madness um anyway
2: yeah and i think i think the downfall honestly has just become the increased money in the sport and the increased pressure on these uh coaches to to get retained year over year and um yeah i couldn't put it better than the paranoia thing i think that's really uh become increasingly more and more over the years um if there's a way they can combat that or all we need is one of these two things to happen a way to combat that a little bit better or get a governance model for scheduling that ever. Yeah. Do, but good luck. Good luck with
1: that. Well, the problem with the governance model for scheduling that's been suggested, it is a good suggestion. I just don't think there's anything, any you mechanism the within the NCAA to make it right. happen. You right. said that it, it, it's like the Wild West. Well, the entire NCAA is sort of like the Wild West. There is no commissioner of the NCAA or of college basketball. There is a president, but that president doesn't have arbitrary powers right and and,
0: and good luck to telling power conferences that 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 have spent years threatening to to leave the ncaa that 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 we're gonna start telling you who to play
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. good luck (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's the hard part about the sport it's yeah it's never gonna be like a pro league even though we do have nil um right you know who knows what the future holds but that's just where we're at today so yeah well i guess on
0: that note i do want to thank everyone for joining us uh Our special guest, Rocco Miller, Bracketeer.org, and at Rocco Miller 8 on Twitter. I get that correct? Correct. You come up all the time. I I never double-check what your Twitter handle, actually. (laughs) I want to make sure we get that right. Uh, Thank you. uh, David Griggs, the puppet over there. I'm Chad Sherwood. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back probably in a few weeks with another podcast with another special guest who... Maybe another one of our panelists will bring him in as a special guest. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Talk to you again real soon.